Welcome back to Pandanomics, a series exploring the economic impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. My name is Stephen Maurice. I'm the editor of Scotiabank Perspectives. Today, we're talking about Latin America, and especially about the Pacific Alliance countries of Mexico, Chile, Colombia, and Peru, which are important components of Scotiabank's unique America's footprint. To talk about this, I'm joined by James Neat, President and Group Head, Corporate Investment Banking at Scotiabank. James, welcome to Pandanomics. Yeah, great to be here, Stephen. Thank you. James, can just to start, could you give us a brief description of your role, both more broadly within the bank and in particular how Latin America fits into your portfolio? So my broad responsibility is I, is I have global responsibility for both the corporate and investment bank. And that would certainly encompass our entire uh, worldwide portfolio. That's a real key element to our overall America strategy. It's a portfolio that we've been aggressively building over the last 10 years, one that's extremely tied and connected uh, to our overall global uh, client coverage model and uh, our strategy, and one that we certainly do spend a lot of time with growing and certainly developing our, our overall client coverage model as it relates to that particular region. Okay, great. And we'll definitely get into uh, a lot more of that as it go as we go along. But maybe we can start, given that uh, we're called pandemics and we're talking about the impacts of the of the pandemic. Can you talk a bit about the impact that COVID nineteen has had on the economies of the Pacific Alliance countries and where they stand today? Sure. I mean, so Stephen, so, I mean, so clearly the, the pandemic has definitely had an impact in terms of economic growth within the Latin American region. What I would say to you is that the region has been very, very well measured in terms of its overall response to the actual pandemic. It's been very disciplined in terms of lockdowns. It's done a very, very good job in terms of managing the overall uh, pandemic and the impact it's had on those local economies. The, the, the region is extremely nicely poised as well for, for a nice recovery. If you take a look at what's going on with the underlying commodity prices, uh, both copper, oil, uh, a lot of these countries, as you're well aware, are export driven. They're showing a tremendous amount of promise just in terms of underlying export reinitiation and activity. And as you take a look at the region as well, it, it really is reliant on two major export nations. One is the U.S., which would be principally Colombia and Mexico. And then Peru and Chile would benefit significantly by the very, very strong underlying growth results we've seen coming out of the pandemic, uh, that being China. You know, China has been very, very constructive in terms of helping these economies, you know, certainly begin to climb out of their tougher economic situation and certainly manage through a, through a post-pandemic environment. Maybe we can go back a little bit, as you, you were talking about at the beginning, about the, the genesis 10 years or so ago of Scotiabank's really significant involvement. I mean, it goes back way farther than that, but a, really, a real focus on the, on the PAC countries. Maybe you can talk a bit about the genesis of the corporate and commercial banking side of the business in those countries and why, why they were seen as an opportunity for Scotiabank. As it relates to the uh, relates to the wholesale bank, you know, for which I've got responsibility for, I mean, we really viewed the region as being high growth in nature, uh, with a tremendous amount of economic upside. You know, when we embarked on this journey about ten years ago, Stephen, we really kind of redoubled our efforts and got focused on growing our balance sheet to the best names within these economies, the large corporates, et cetera. Well, once we actually had a critical mass in terms of our overall asset base and client coverage model, we then began to layer in some additional ancillary related services. We brought uh, some robust DCM and ECM related coverage, both on the bond and equity side. 
And then over the last, I would say, several years, we've been backfilling with some great investment banking capability and all the countries by which we operate within LATAM as well. And so when you really take a look at our offering in these countries of Latin America, it's a universal offering. We've got great local teams who have got tremendous knowledge in terms of what's going on locally. And we really view the franchise as being one of local expertise. But being under the Scotiabank banner, we have a global perspective and we're really able to kind of intertwine those two very important elements in terms of how we manage our clients with a universal offering and really assist our clients in terms of growing not only within the countries by which we have coverage for, but more broadly throughout the actual our global network. Right. And so and that also extends in Latin America beyond beyond the PAC countries as well. Right. Uh, you're serving the, sort of the region as a whole. When you think about the Pacific Alliance countries, you think Mexico, Peru, Chile, and Colombia, clearly. But we also have a wholesale banking operation as well in Brazil, which is based in uh, one office. It's Sao Paulo, but it's an extremely uh, tactical, well-focused team, large balance sheet there, dealing with the best names in that particular country. And the really great thing about our Brazil franchise is that it's also we have a client base that we've actually built who place premium in not only our, our Pacific Alliance regional capabilities, of which we certainly assist them in those particular countries, but more broadly, both Canada, the U.S., as well as throughout the globe. The, the Brazil franchise is not large in terms of number of people. We've got 75 people, but it's highly profitable and extremely extremely focused and we're very, very proud of what we've been able to accomplish in that country. So what were some of the main success factors in building that business to where it is today? I'm sure you still have ambitions for further growth and expansion, but what were, what were some of the learnings and the success factors over the course of the last 10 years that have gotten you to where you are now? Yeah, Stephen, so, so I would say a couple of things. I would say one, it's our discipline approach. Um, it's the fact that we have a very, very long-term view in terms of not only our presence within the region, but more importantly, our coverage of our clients who certainly operate within that region. I think we've picked great clients with solid credit profiles. They're clients who actually place a premium on our regional capabilities as well as our global uh, capabilities. And we've also intertwined that extremely nice with respect to our coverage model in both Canada and the U.S., in terms of really helping our Canadian and American clients grow their presence in the region where we do have that local expertise. So I would say longevity, long-term focus, and a disciplined approach in dealing with the right clients has really been the success for us in that region. Right. And you did, you mentioned sort of helping Canadian and American, I guess, also uh, other global clients to to access those markets. What do you hear about those global corporate clients uh, about your ability to provide access to Latin American markets? Uh, is, it, is it smoothing the way for them? And I guess also by extension, helping those economies by increasing investment and so on. So I would say that the clients have responded extremely well. Like I think the fact that we've got large teams that sit within these respective countries, know their way around, have got strong local expertise, can really assist a lot of these large players globally who are either looking to expand their operations in a specific country, expand their operations throughout the region, et cetera. We can really provide them with that seamless support, you know, both from an advisory perspective, from a capital allocation balance sheet perspective um, that a lot of the other players cannot provide. And our real competitive advantage is the fact that we've got deep, deep roots in these countries. We know our way around. We can assist with navigation, risk mitigation tools, et cetera. And our clients have really found that to be incredibly useful as they've actually built out their companies. So is Scotiabank increasingly at a, at a global level, not just within Canada, but becoming there's more of an awareness of the, the reach and the abilities that the bank has in, those, in that region? 
Sure, very much so. I, I think if you were to have a conversation with some of our Canadian sponsors, whether or not it be private equity or pension funds here in Canada, and if they were to say to you, who's the go-to bank in Canada that's going to help us deploy capital, make investment decisions, expand our operations that we currently have in Latin America right now, Scotiabank would be the first port of call as it relates to certainly wanting to get the support of our organization in terms of helping them expand within the, within the region. Our global platform is uniquely positioned to really drive uh, a lot of activity through the Americas. When I take a look at our coverage teams that we've carefully built both in Europe and Asia Pacific, and the level of coverage they have on large European players as well as Asia Pacific players who are actually doing business in the Americas, we've developed extremely strong ties with those, whereby we're capturing their underlying business activities, business flows, capital market flows, and it's been a really, really strong road driver for our overall franchise. Getting back to a little bit to the, to the pandemic, all of the Pacific Alliance countries, as you said, Mexico, Peru, Chile, and Colombia, seem to be coming out on the other side gradually, as we as we all are. What do you see as the economic outlook for those countries in 2021? We were looking at significant growth in Canada and the United States. Very uh, optimistic about that. Are you seeing similar signs in uh, in the PAC countries? Yeah, we are. I mean, if you, if you take a look at our economic forecast, we're projecting GDP growth across the region of 6% for 2021. As we take a look at Mexico, I mean, clearly they've probably had the biggest impact in terms of the pandemic. We're all aware that Mexico really is a proxy for U.S. growth. And with the level of stimulus and economic activity that we're seeing coming out of the U.S., we think Mexico is extremely well poised for a nice recovery in 2021. Oil price being where it is currently right now at around mid-60s, I think is also extremely positive for uh, for that economy. And the other item as well that we're definitely hearing from our clients is that, you know, throughout the pandemic, global supply chains were extremely challenged in terms of being able to kind of keep up uh, with the level of demand that we were seeing, even in a reduced demand environment. And so we've seen a lot of our, our a lot of our clients talk about how do they actually shrink that that global supply chain footprint and how do they become, how do they get actual suppliers that are actually closer to their home markets with clarity, which would be the U.S. in this particular case. And we think Mexico will benefit by that very, very well in the coming years and will certainly kind of help with their economic rebound. Peru has uh, very, very disciplined in terms of how they've managed the pandemic from a, from a health perspective. They had significant lockdowns. You'll find in Peru that as China goes, Peru goes. I mean, clearly it is an export-driven economy. Copper is extremely important uh, for that economy, with copper kind of being in the low fours per pound. And as we're talking to our clients there, which I do on a regular basis, you know, they're, they're actually seeing some very, very strong green shoots within that economic environment, and they're seeing a nice recovery, you know, principally off the back of copper. Peru is a big agricultural country in the north, and with ag prices being up, with them kind of being into a lot of the superfood groups, whether or not it be blueberries, avocados, asparagus, et cetera, those are agricultural products that are very, very much in demand within the North, North American construct. And we're also seeing some very, very nice activity within ag with improve, which should, should certainly help with their growth prospects. And our economics department is seeing about an 8% plus GDP growth number for 2021 for Peru, which is quite strong. Colombia, as well as as an economy that I think is extremely well positioned for emerging from the pandemic with with strong economic activity as well. Um, Oil is an incredibly important commodity for Colombia, as is U.S. underlying growth prospects, just in view of the very, very strong economic tides that have been built over the last 30 years with, with the U.S. 
And so we're definitely seeing some nice activity in Colombia. We should see GDP growth in that economy of kind of four to five percent. And we also are hearing from our clients there as well is that people are really redoubling their efforts in terms of looking for infrastructure build out opportunities. This is a very large country close to 44 million people. The topography of that country has always been a challenge from a logistics perspective. And there's a tremendous amount of focus coming from government as well as from our our key clients in terms of how do they improve the overall infrastructure related system in that country to really help it, you know, continue to kind of embark on its world-class growth in terms of being um, being a leading country within the Pacific Alliance. And so we're, we're, we're very, very bullish on Colombia. Last country I'll touch upon and we're the third largest private bank in the country of Chile. Um, you know, following our acquisition of BBVA back in 2018, they've done a very, very good job of managing through the pandemic. And they're definitely seeing the benefit of that with, with renewed economic activity and strength that they're seeing in terms of their GDP numbers. Chile should be an economy that should grow uh, at around 5% for fiscal year 2021. It's one that's certainly being uh, strengthened by strong copper prices as well. But we all know that, you know, Chile is a small population country, but one that has big power in terms of exports. And so when you see the the level of pulp that's being exported, when you see the level of copper being exported, this is all boding extremely well for their prospects in 2021. So overall, we're feeling very, very good about how the region is emerging from recession. We're feeling very, very good about our, pro- our prognosis there. All right. That, that's great. It's nice to hear that that sort of growth is going to happen right across the Americas like that. Um, one last question for you, James. Q1 results for Scotiabank in the books and uh, were uh, pretty darn good. I think everybody would agree. What are some of the messages you have when you talk to your investor base about the business in the Pacific Alliance? I think it often comes up because it, it, it is a differentiator with the other banks here in Canada or a presence in, in those places and people maybe don't know as much about it as uh, you might hope that they would. So what do, what do you tell them about the prospects? I thoroughly am incredibly impressed in terms of what the growth prospects are for this particular region. There's sound fundamentals. There's a very young and well-educated population. There's an emerging middle class. These are diverse economies with very, very strong and disciplined central banks. And we have, as part of our client base, very sophisticated corporates that really do have and, and want to continue to grow their global franchises. I think this region affords a tremendous amount of torque And I think that as these economies begin to emerge from the pandemic, I I just see so much underlying growth potential, you know, leveraging off the the solid economic financial base that they currently have right now. And, And these are governments that have done a very good job in terms of managing government spend. Debt to GDP levels are extremely low. And I just think we are so nicely positioned to capitalize on this underlying level of growth, staying close to our clients show the fact that we've got a very, very disciplined approach in terms of you know how we manage our relationships. Some of your best relationships are forged in difficult times. And we were really there for our clients early on in the pandemic by meeting their immediate liquidity requirements, assisting them with certainly some of their, their post-pandemic related challenges that they were facing. And our clients know that we're in the region for the long term and we have a long-term perspective, not only in terms of the franchise, uh, but more importantly, our relationship with our clients and whether or not you're a retail banking customer or whether or not you're a commercial customer or if you're a corporate banking customer, you know, our commitment to the region, to our clients is 
is very well received and it's one that our that our client base feels every single day in terms of how we approach our business. Right. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting and encouraging that you were able to maintain and strengthen those relationships, even in uh, sort of the virtual world we've been living in for the past year. Although I imagine you're looking forward to to getting back down there and uh, being able to see see all of that in person once again. All right. Well, James, uh, that was great. We will leave it there. I really appreciate you uh, coming on Panadomics. No, thanks very much. Really appreciate it, Steve. Thank you. I've been speaking with James Neat, President and Group Head, Corporate and Investment Banking at Scotiabank. Thanks for listening to Pandonomics. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe at Apple, Google, or Spotify Podcasts. See you soon. Please see the Scotiabank website for legal disclaimers.